For you, the listeners of my JavaScript story, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My JavaScript Story. This week, we're talking to Scott Wyatt. Scott, do you want to say hi? Hi. Now, we had you on episode 282. That was back in October of 2017. We talked about Trails.js. And yeah, just another interesting way of writing JavaScript apps. And we thought, hey, you know, it'd be great to get you on and talk about where you came from and who you are and what you do and all that great stuff. Yeah, that sounds great. So uh, before we do that, though, you want to give a brief introduction as far as who you are and what you do, where you work and that kind of thing. And then we'll uh, move over and start asking you questions about your past. Yeah, sure thing. So I'm a VC partner and the CTO of Cali Style Technologies, a real small boutique firm. Um, but what that allows me to do is work with different startups, particularly in the, in the tech fields or people in the need, in need of the tech field. Kind of my best, uh, best known stories is I was the CTO of the Dollar Beard Club, um, which is an interesting oh, really? startup that went from zero to hero really, really quickly. We built the entire application like 14 days and the next, the next morning we had 50,000 users. It was just absolutely crazy. Wow. <laughs> also was involved in the, the cool box, which is a, was appeared on Shark Tank. And that kind of broke me into the whole VC space. So uh, now we, we help find and groom small startups and uh, we're trying to you know make it big in this big, big Silicon Valley world, so to speak. But I actually live in Indianapolis, Indiana. I was born and raised here, but I traveled the world. I went to school in New Zealand. I spent time in Southeast Asia and uh, I lived in California for years and years. So really been all over the place, but this has always been my Indiana home, so to speak. Wow. I'm a little curious before we dive into, you know, some of the more common interview questions that I ask. So, so do you find disconnect, you're disconnected a lot from things being in Indiana or does it really not matter anymore because everybody can just hop on a video call and talk? Yeah. Like, I mean, I got really used to working remotely just by traveling so much. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is my preferred like mode of transportation. I mean, I can like give this interview in my underwear. Not that I'm doing that, but right. <laughs> um, no, no, like, uh, but in Indianapolis, so we actually have uh, like Salesforce has a headquarters here now. There's all kinds of data storage. Like, so there's a lot of tech talents coming into the area. I know we're on the bid for a new Amazon headquarters as well. So um, there'll be a lot of things coming in. I know Indiana is kind of considered a, a flyover state or something like that, right. but um, it's actually like we're considered the crossroads of America. So we get a lot of people coming in and out. As far as like tech's concerned, uh, being separated from California, I feel like that, I mean, that probably has its pros and cons as well. It's a lot harder for me to get to like conferences and, you know, be have FaceTime with the community. But the good news is like Hoosiers are super welcoming and the, the meetups we have around this area are absolutely incredible. You can find one about on about any topic, which is always fine. Yeah, I found that, uh, so I live in Utah, which is another one. It's, I don't know if it's considered a flyover state, but it's not a place that people 
typically go to, especially for tech. Oh but, yeah. You know, we're, we're kind of in the same situation, right? Where we are somewhat of a hub. Salt Lake City is anyway in the West. And in fact, they call us the crossroads of the West. So not crossroads of America, but kind of the same idea. And, uh, you know, there's a huge tech community here. And so, yeah, you, you, we're starting to see companies come in and build things here. And, you know, there, there are offices for like HP and Disney and, you know, that, that all do tech that are here along what we call the Wasatch Front. Facebook just built a data center, just announced a data center out in Eagle Mountain, which is on the Wasatch Front. And so, you know, we're seeing a lot of that same kind of thing. And I think for the most part, the communities out there are going to start to, or the companies out there are going to start spreading that way, right? Oh, here's a community where we can spread to where we don't have to fight so hard to get tech people in like they have to do out in Silicon Valley or, um, you know, other parts of California. You know, it was the same in like Seattle. I was up in Seattle last year. And yeah, I mean, Amazon's snapping up everybody. And so it's, it's really competitive to find developers. And so, yeah, a lot of these companies are looking at other areas. So it makes sense. And I think we're going to see more of that. Yeah, like that's actually a really great, great point too. And like living in an area, like you said, like in Utah, where you have like tech talent that's there from those offices or Seattle or with us in Indianapolis with Salesforce and Amazon possibly coming in. Yep. Like you get a lot of those, you know, developers who are really, really talented that, you know, they're getting paid insane amount of money. But a lot of times, like those, those companies, they treat, their, they treat their staff really well, but people are always looking for opportunity. They know like a especially in my line of work, which is startups, mm-hmm. they know they can like, uh, there's a lot more risk, but a lot more reward if they go venture out on their own, like start that, that new idea that they have. And I think this is a great place to find a disenfranchised developer and like really start, like push them forward. I, I really see that like Detroit would be a really good place to do that as well, mm-hmm. especially with the cheap cost of living that these areas afford. Yep. It's a really fun um, area to be in. Yeah, makes sense. And I, I completely agree. Anyway, let's talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, it's all good. You know, we just hit on a topic that I think we're both somewhat passionate about. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So let's, uh, let's jump in and talk about you. Um, how did you get into programming? Right. So um, my dad actually was a computer programmer, really, really intelligent. He works on, he, he, like, he got to work on this, the stuff that uh, we only hear about in like legacy today. And just the hearing the stories that of his like, first intros into programming and uh, his, his grandfather actually, I mean, sorry, his father actually got him into programming as well. So uh, my late grandfather uh-huh. and um, he was a school teacher who just loved Apple computers and right. um, just got started. And so that's, that was really my first exposure was, you know, writing um, a snake game and like on MS DOS. And oh, wow. Yeah. So like I, I started really, really young. I actually had like a really uh, strong arts background. Like I really, really wanted to be an artist and a graphic designer and all that fun stuff. But then, one thing led to another and that just like led me down the road of programming and I just mm-hmm. fell in love and been in love ever since. So I, I definitely identify with that. My interest in tech came from my grandpa. You oh, know, cool. He was a, he was an engineer. He did some work on the space shuttle. No way. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, he was, he was a chemical engineer, so a little bit different, but you know, kind of the same idea. And yeah, so it's, it's that kind of thing where it's, yeah, you see it, you get exposed to it you have some opportunity to work on it. You know, I did in junior high, you know, so yeah. So you just kind of work your way into it. And, and yeah, it's just amazing how, if you're interested in it, how approachable it is in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. How, how did you get from there to being a JavaScript guy? Yeah, this is actually kind of a funny one. So uh, I had a paper out since I was like 10 years old. And like, so I was mm-hmm. always like trying to like save my money and bought my very first computer. And it was a compact Passario. It was, like really like I think it was 
wasn't even a Pentium two. I think it was like a Pentium one. <laughs> nice. um, yeah. And, uh, so this was around the time that like Macromedia Flash had just started coming out. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, like its language at the time was, I think, oh, wow, I just had this, not TypeScript, ActionScript. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so I started off in ActionScript 1.0. That syntax is actually really similar to like the JavaScript too. And uh, I really wanted to make these like uh, Flash games and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, when that whole boom was really happening on the web and I saw like YouTube coming out, and I was like, yeah, I want to be able to build that. And uh, that's kind of uh, kind of a natural like step into writing JavaScript is like you're trying to build things for the web. And so like, cool, I built this flash game. Now how do I get it on the web? And yeah, so that, that kind of led me down the path of JavaScript. And so I, I really started with like pretty much how everybody starts with JavaScript is vanilla and then jQuery and kind of started going from there. Yep. Yeah. It's interesting. First of all, you mentioned the action scripts a lot like JavaScript. They're both based on the ECMAScript standard, which is, mm-hmm. you know, so, so they are related languages. Yeah, it's it's just interesting too. You know, you talk about the art, and it's funny because a lot of people think that that programming is this deeply technical, you know, blah blah blah, you know, technical mathematical field. And I've talked to so many people that have some artistic bent. They're musicians, they're designers, they're you know whatever it is. And yeah, I I get people too, you know, and they come in and they're like, "There's no way I could do what you do." And I just look at them and say, "Look, we have all kinds of people here." And mm-hmm. so there's no reason why you couldn't do it, right? And exactly. we we need all those thought processes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like it, like even today, in like my day to day, like coding, like sometimes I like am almost shy away from the front end because it can be so difficult to get like mm-hmm. something really complex happening. Which is so weird because that's how much like most artists get into coding is through something super visual. Yeah, that's like the hardest. That's like the hardest part. <laughs> You know, like writing some routines and all that fun stuff is a lot of fun and, and it's rather easy, but like, you know, getting that, that blue blob that transform into something else or like, especially with people, what people are doing now with like 3D graphics on the web and stuff is like really complicated things. And these artists are figuring it out. And it's like, it's, they, they've already got their, they look at somebody like me who's been coding for like 15 years now. And they're like, well, I can never do what you do. I'm like, you're actually doing the hardest part already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's funny because, yeah, you see them building in these uh, CSS transforms and crap, right? And it's like, it's like eh, that's, that's programming. Yeah, it really is. You know, yeah. Interesting. So, so you get into JavaScript. What, what was it that uh, got you into JavaScript? Was it front end? Was it back end? Was it jQuery? Was it something else? Yeah, like I'm actually really like fortunate to like uh, have a somebody I know that pretty well. His name's uh, Mike Hostetler, and he's um, he was uh-huh. on the jQuery team. He's a really amazing guy, super super nice if you ever get to meet him in person. Yeah, so like I asked him all his old stories about like JavaScript and like the origins of like his origin story with JavaScript and stuff like that, and that gave me a lot of you know like a lot of uh, confidence to move move more into backend JavaScript mm-hmm. programming. So like Node.js, like I, I was doing PHP mostly for server side stuff before, and uh, like there was just so much more there to JavaScript. I just didn't know it was there and I hadn't really cared to know that it was there. And now like I breathe, like live, breathe and die JavaScript, which is pretty funny. I never thought I'd be as powerful as something like PHP or um, like C, even, you know, and, but like JavaScript's got its, like its place. It's a super prolific language. And I don't see, like that's definitely changing in the upcoming years, but it's always going to be this really neat dynamic type language that I think, appeals to designers and right to um like developer engineers alike in a way that most languages just don't do maybe python might do that but nothing like javascript yeah you mentioned mike hostetler we've had him on 
we, we did a My JavaScript Story episode 31. Oh, cool. And, yeah. And, um, he's also come on and talked about remote work. I think I thought we had him on for something else, but I guess we didn't. That was quite a while ago. We'll have to get him back on the show. Yeah. Oh, same. I actually, now that we're talking about him, I kind of want to call him. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, so yeah. So how did you get into doing something like Trails.js? Yes. Like I, I, when I started like uh, using Node, like I absolutely loved it. I mean, it was quick. It was really fast. It was easy to get started with. There's this little tiny express server that you could just sit and start taking ports. So that led me down the way to like finding a, like a, a, like a framework like Sales.js. And yeah. I worked with Sales, wrote quite a few libraries for Sales actually. And they, they, they got pretty popular. And um, I actually met Travis Webb through that, that project. Uh-huh. And uh, he turned me on to Trails. And so uh, eventually I became a core maintainer. And now we're taking Trails to the next level. And that's with an app, like that's with a, a library called, or a framework called Fabrics. And uh-huh. this is the TypeScript version of essentially Trails. And we're adding a lot of new syntactical sugar and we're trying to make a very strongly typed Node.js framework. Very cool. Yeah, and I love TypeScript. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I, I, like, uh, I love the philosophy of fail fast. Yeah. And uh, TypeScript is going to tell you when you're wrong really, really quickly. And that can save you so much heartache. Yeah. So what, what are the things that you've done in JavaScript that you're most proud of? It sounds like you, you're really happy about your work in Trails. Is, are, are there parts of that that you're really excited about that you've done or other things that you've done that you're, you want to talk about? Yeah, actually. So like, um, one of the things that I, like, I love about like, Trails and, and Fabrics by Proxy, I guess, is that there are these like super tiny little servers. And like what that has really allowed me to get my head around is this idea of like partitioned apps. Like that, that makes me so excited. And so building like uh, building libraries on top of these platforms to like create partitioned apps and distributed apps is probably what I'm most proud of right now. That actually like, I'll, I'll probably talk about this later in our, our pick section, but um, like I, you, you see what's happening right now, like, like Bangladesh where they're, like literally stripping the youth of their like mobile internet. And I know this is kind of political and I, if you want to steer away from that, you can, but no, but fine. Um, like if, if you it, just having the internet, like shifted out of its current paradigm, like back to Tim Berners-Lee was going for, which is a more just like, uh, he's trying to go even less federated. So like get to the distributed level. And if we had distributed, distributed applications and um, a government or political party try to shut off the internet to stop mm-hmm. a, a youth rally, that just wouldn't be possible. So I think that like distributed apps and by proxy JavaScript and trails and stuff like that, like has this incredible, incredible political outcome as well, which I think that I like, I'm not a political activist necessarily, but that has huge ramifications for them. And I think that that's an important thing to like bring to society and any, any way I can contribute to, you know, uh, freedom of information, like who can't be proud of that. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. My, yeah, my views on the internet are basically, yeah, I mean, the, the more that we can enable people to, you know, achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve, the better. And yeah, I really like the idea of things like the distributed or federated internet and things like that, where, yeah, you just, you know, it, it just opens things up so that people can be who they are. Yeah, exactly. And I know that comes with the weird and the bad, but like, obviously, like, it comes with a lot of good, too. I mean, it, like, yeah. Like, uh, it just, it's hard to like, you know, quantify or find them like the, the morality of freedom, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the questions that humankind will struggle with to like our dying day, I suppose. But I, I'm going to err on the side of good. And I, I think, yeah, I definitely agree with what you said. 
Yep. So uh, what are you working on now? Yeah, the biggest thing I'm working on right now is, uh, is fabrics. So this is the, the TypeScript rendition of Trails. We are deviating from the original like platform quite a bit, um, mostly to make it strongly typed. That's going to take us into WASM or WebAssembly, and that's where we really see a huge future with applications. That, that goes straight to my business side of things, too, mm-hmm. is we, we want to bring applications online that can get past the gatekeeping that the Apple iOS app, Apple Store and the Google Play Store have like set up. Right. Um, we want to see like you know even more powerful progressive web applications, and we think being first to market on a lot of this stuff will lead to a lot of success on the road. Right. Makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it does. I mean, like yeah, I'm betting quite a bit on this. So. Well, and it's funny too because you know you're talking about some of these ideas as opposed to the technology, and. Yeah, yeah. What's what's interesting about that is that a lot of times what happens is you get kind of the first blush implementation of the idea and then people find ways to make it really powerful or really interesting. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have, for example, blockchain, cryptocurrency, right? Mm-hmm. And Bitcoin's still making a splash. But the the flip side of that is now you see things like, okay, well, go implement this smart contract on Ethereum. Or you've got, you know, different other ideas around the blockchain have nothing to do with cryptocurrency where it's, hey, look, we're just going to have like a completely federated database or, you know, I mean, all kinds of things. And so it's, I love the idea that, you know, we're going to put this idea out there. We're going to create something out of this idea and then, yeah, and, and, and change the world that way. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I think it's important to like kind of stay theoretical a lot of times. Like, well, to stay keeping up with the theoretical concepts. Like, obviously, like blockchain's here to stay. And like, this is a total side note. This is really, this is a really funny quote that I heard. That if you can copy and replace the word blockchain with database, you're doing it wrong. And mm-hmm. um, but like that, that's and that's so true. Like the, the word blockchain has been blown out of proportion. And, but like now what we're seeing is like these projects that are based on a lot of those concepts that blockchain solve, like double spend problem, um, open ledgers, like you said, creating it like a essentially an open to the world database system. This is actually a really cool place that JavaScript actually has an influence as well. Um, like right now as I'm, I'm talking on my screen, it's just like these Gitter chat badges keep on coming mm-hmm. through from Gun.js, um, yep. which is a really, really cool distributed, distributed graph database. And the, the stuff they're, they're doing on top of that, too, is like they're, they're creating their own cryptocurrency to run these peer-to-peer nodes that can run in the browser, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, there's so much happening out there. And it's like always keeping up with what's kind of coming, what, what people are playing with, what sounds really, really interesting, because that'll be the companies that are founded two, three years from now. And um, so that, that's, that's a huge part. of I, I'm like rambling now. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm totally with you, though. Yeah. And uh, yeah, incidentally, if you're interested in GunDB, we have had Mark Nadal on the show. Oh, perfect. Yeah, Mark's awesome. Yeah, he used to live out here. So yep. I actually met him when he was talking about some of the ideas behind GunDB. And I'll admit, I thought he was nuts. But <laughs> I think a lot of people did. I mean, like it, but it's really neat to see what he's done with this. Yeah, but I mean, he's really turned it into something that's, you know, powerful and interesting. So. Yeah, I love how he like he he sold the project to this like well he didn't know what he was really selling and then his investor said oh, can it be used for games and like so he's like started kind of crafting that concept out and but now like now look at it like yeah, yeah this is a this is a cutting edge bleeding edge technology like yeah it can be used for games but like look what else it can do 
Yeah. And uh, I think that's the cool thing is like, even if you build something small or like whatever, you never know what it'll turn into. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. Well, if people want to find you online, where do they go? Awesome. So like, uh, I'm, I'm definitely on the star hunt right now on, on GitHub. You can find me at scott-wyatt on Git. You can also find me on Twitter, but I'm not super active. I won't lie. Um, that's Scott B. Wyatt on Twitter. Definitely the best way to get a hold of me is, is GitHub. I'm always on there. I'm trying to maintain my, my, my shiny green wall and all that fun stuff. So, mm-hmm. Cool. And do you have some picks for us? Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Yeah, actually, so my, my pick was going to be Gun.js, so like, we, already, nice. like, we already covered it. Yeah, like, I definitely, like, uh, if you haven't checked out Gun, uh, definitely do it. Like, I, I jump in there every once in a while trying to get onto the, these ideas around, like, uh, cryptocurrencies and Merkle trees and hashes and blah, 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 like, all the, all the fun words. And, like, definitely interest in that space. It, and, like, uh, and a lot of people feel like it would be really complicated to get inside. So I'll, I'll kind of go into my second pick then, too, which is uh, Vertcoin or BTC. Um, if you want to learn about cryptocurrencies on your home computer, you can download that, start and like, learn about mining, mining pools. It, it's super easy. You won't make any money, I don't think. But it's a great way to get into the space and like see what, what people are talking about and see how, you, as a developer, you can kind of play on that. Very cool. I've got a couple of picks myself. First one is, I'm just going to mention again. So I mentioned it last week on the show, which that episode we recorded last week, but it'll come out tomorrow as we record this or Wednesday. But anyway, um, I'm putting together an ebook and video course on how to find a job. Uh, a lot of folks are, have been asking me about this. They're typically either bootcamp grads, they're new developers, or they're people that live in a remote area and have trouble figuring out how to do that kind of a job search. Um, so I'm putting all of that stuff into a, an, an ebook and a video course. So if you're interested in that, uh, go check it out. Um, just go to devchat.tv slash shop and you should be able to find those there. They're the only products in the the store currently. And um, you'll get the stuff basically as I release it. So uh, this week, I'm, I'm going to be releasing a, a probably two or three chapters and you know a handful of videos that basically walk you through um, how to get your job search start, started, how to do your resume, things like that. And then basically, you know, there are three things that I think every developer can do to jumpstart their job search. So uh, that's kind of how that's all put together. But yeah, so I'm I'm getting that done. And then I've also been playing this game on my phone and I'm kind of addicted to it and it kind of sucks how addicted to, to it I am, but it's called uh, Golf Clash. And uh, yeah, I love just getting out and golfing. So I'll pick that as well. But anyway, this, you know, you just play it on your phone against other people and 
anyway, it's 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 a colossal waste of time, but I enjoy it. <laughs> but yeah, the other the the last one is I will pick something around golf. So I was talking to my wife earlier this morning and just mentioned, you know what? Um, I've been getting stressed out. Um, life's been kind of hard lately. And for those of you who aren't following all of the drama that goes on in my life, you know, I'll just kind of summarize. My dad passed away in April and uh, that kind of threw me for a loop for a few months. Um, and I'm still not sure I'm completely through, you know, all of the emotional stuff and the grieving process there. But um, that kind of took me down a couple pegs. And then my mom's needed my help with a bunch of stuff because they had a rent to own deal on the house that I basically lived in through junior high and high school. And that fell through. So she got the house back and the people left it in terrible shape. So I've been over there helping her out with that. And then I've got about eight other things that are just, you know, irons in the fire, including the, you know, the book and the, the, the course. And so I've been super stressed out. So I just looked at my wife and I said, you know, I think I'm going to arrange things so that I can take Friday afternoons off and either go golfing or go hit a bucket of balls or go to a movie or just something. Right. And so I just, I, I guess I'm, I'm just going to pick, you know, planning in some sanity time for lack of a better term and going and doing something that's completely outside of what you normally do. Right. So some people, they get a break from video games. For me, it almost feels like work because I'm sitting in the same chair at the same computer doing the same things, right? Because I work from home, I run my own company. So, you know, I just use the same machine for all of that stuff. And so it, it is kind of an unwind and even sometimes playing on like the Nintendo Switch isn't quite enough. But anyway, and I've been enjoying that by the way. But anyway, so yeah, so my pick is mostly just getting that leisure time, right? Um, bought myself some, some new golf clubs, my father-in-law went and helped me break those in on Friday. <laughs> so we, we went out to the golf course and had a terrible round of golf. But, you know, it, it's that kind of thing, right? So um, just take a minute to breathe. It, it's just become so much more important for me with all of the other stuff going on. So, yeah. I, and I don't mean to hijack you, but like, um, like you're, you're so right about that. And like uh, something that all developers like will face is high stress and burnout and all that mm -hmm. fun stuff. And, and of course, when you compound that with grief, that like that's a monster. Yeah. And I was, I was definitely in that space for, for quite some time myself. And um, for me, I found uh, rock climbing and like it, it's totally changed my way. So like now I take six hours a week over the course of the week and I, and I rock climb and it's just a great way to like stop through the week. And, um, and it's great because you can still keep your mind active. You're still problem solving. You're getting great exercise. Um, if yeah. you haven't tried it, definitely, definitely do. I guess I'm doing pick number three. There you go. I have been <laughs> rock climbing since I was in high school, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, anything like that. And, you know, the other thing is, is life isn't always going to go how you planned it. So mm -hmm. having some outlet like that is really helpful. All right. Well, thank you for coming, Scott. But thanks for having me. Like, this is so fun. And I hope I get to, you know, do a, a JS Jabber sometime soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, shoot us over some ideas. In fact, I should just shout that out as well. So um, one of the things that I've been doing with JavaScript Jabber uh, lately, what we've been doing is we kind of go and search through like Medium and Reddit and newsletters like JavaScript Weekly and things like that. You know, maybe go look around on Twitter and see if people are talking about something. And then typically we'll invite people who have written the blog post or whatever that started the conversation onto the show. And I think people are interested in that. But um, I've talked to a bunch of people and I've decided that I'm going to refocus for a little while anyway on just sort of the basics. 
Uh, so we're going to talk about, you know, some of the things that you need to know to just kind of be functional out there in JavaScript. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into some, some advanced-ish topics, right? So um, on my list right now, just to run through a few of them are things like Webpack, TC39, ES6+, I don't know what to call that, ES Current, ES Next, um, but like ESLint, TypeScript, Chrome DevTools, Node, V8, Jest, Testing. Anyway, so if you have a recommendation of a topic along those lines, so if it's a tool that you feel like everybody should at least be aware of and aware of how it works, or some, you know, some framework or library that everybody uses like Lodash, um, or if you want to know more about a particular aspect of JavaScript, like the history of JavaScript, or, you know, how the language evolves or things like that, um, go ahead and suggest those. Um, if you go to uh, javascriptjabber.com um, or jsjabber.com, they both go to the same place. Um, but then just hop on and suggest a topic. Then we'll put those in our list and uh, we'll start reaching out to people and start trying to get those lined up. Um, I feel like talking about kind of news-ish or here's how you do this interesting thing in JavaScript is helpful, but I, I also feel like the context is, is important for us to be able to cover a lot of these tools and techniques and ideas so that we can say, okay, well, we're all on the same page about these things and we're going to move forward. So anyway, um, feel free to, to, you can also just email me, chuck at dev, devchat.tv. And we'll make sure that we uh, get those on the list. But yeah, um, I'm looking for ideas. And if you have guests that you think would be good for those ideas, uh, let me know about those as well. Um, I have a fairly large network within the JavaScript community, so I should be able to find those people and at least see if they're interested in coming on. So anyway, we'll wrap this up. Thanks for coming, Scott. Thanks for having me. All right. We will talk to you all next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.